Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. Broken relationships in the body of Christ is what we are dealing with in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And Paul declares in verse 11 that he has nothing but the greatest warmth and love and open communication toward the Corinthians, but they are not responding in kind. He said in verse 11, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. And then he goes on in verse 12 to say, You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. There's something in your thinking, something in your emotions, something in your affections that is defective. The problem is not with me, said Paul. The problem is with you. You are not restricted by us. You, your, your heart hasn't been made narrow toward me because of something that I have done to wrong you. No, the problem is not with me. It is with you. Now, isn't it interesting that Paul could say that dogmatically? The problem is not with me, it is with you. So often when relationships go wrong, those who are the most tender-hearted and most concerned about making the relationship right will often flagellate themselves emotionally to say, what have I done wrong? What have I done wrong? What have I done wrong? To create this problem in the relationship. When in many cases you haven't done anything wrong. Hopefully, you've done everything right. Now, if truly God shows you something you've done wrong, then address it, correct it, go to that person, apologize, make things right. But in some cases, you haven't done anything wrong. You you haven't done anything wrong toward your children, but their sinful hearts have turned against you. You haven't done anything wrong toward that brother or sister in the body of Christ, but there's a problem with them, and their heart has been restricted toward you. Sometimes the problem is not with you, it's with the other person. Now, sometimes it's the other way around, so may God give us wisdom to understand which is which. But Paul is very dogmatic here that the problem is not with him, it is with them. And therefore, he lays out the steps that they need to take in order to correct this problem. And we'll continue looking at those on this Friday, March 10. Thank you for joining us, and many, many thanks to those whose financial gifts keep us teaching God's Word on this station. Now, he tells us, let me read all three verses again, but when we get to verse 13, he tells us, tells them, what they need to do. But verse 11, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you, our heart is wide open, Verse 12, you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. And now verse 13, the solution. Now, in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. So what's the, what's the proper attitude that they ought to have toward him, different from the one they have now? What are the steps that need to be taken to correct the situation? 
And the first one is warm reciprocation. Now, in return for the same. In the way that I have dealt with you, in the most loving, warm, considerate, open-hearted, open-communicative way that I know how, you need to return the same. Number two, spiritual recognition. I speak to you as to children, that is, as to my children. And they were Paul's spiritual children. Now, we touched on that yesterday, but didn't have time to get into it. But I made the statement that not all of them were his converts. He can't be saying that all of you are my spiritual children in the sense that I led all of you to the Lord, or all of you came to a knowledge of Christ under my ministry, because that's not true. How do we know that's not true? Because of what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He said in verse, um, well, let's see, let's back up a little bit here. Verse 6, now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, we are God's field, you or rather, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds. But let each one take heed how he builds upon it. Now, I should have even backed up a little bit earlier when he said in verse 5, Who then is Paul? This is 1 Corinthians 3, 5. Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. What's that again? Who is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers, plural, through whom you believed as the Lord gave each one. So many of them had come to faith in Christ through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. But some of them had come to faith in Christ through the ministry of Apollos and no doubt others. So when he calls them here in chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians, my children, he's not meaning all of you owe your salvation to the gospel which I proclaim to you, but he is dealing with them in terms of his fatherhood, his founding the church, his church planting work, which makes him the father of them all. Everybody who's part of that church looks to him as the founding pastor, as the father of the church. Back to verse 10 of chapter 3 of uh, 1 Corinthians. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds. You have only one founding pastor. You have many others who have ministered and have built upon the foundation which I have laid, but I laid the foundation. He says something similar in chapter 4, verse 14. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Again, clearly not a reference to their conversion, though it sounds like it. Through Christ Jesus, I have begotten you in the gospel, but he's already told us that some had come to faith under his ministry, others under Apollos, and perhaps others as well. God has given to everyone somebody who was the one that he used as an instrument to preach the gospel to you when you came to Christ. 
But though you have have uh, different evangelists whom God used to bring the gospel to you savingly, and though you have many instructors in Christ, different ones who have taught the word of God in the church, like Apollos and others who have come, like other members of Paul's team who have taught as well, but nevertheless, you only have one father. That's a unique situation. And Paul had that distinct, unique privilege in this particular case. You have not many fathers in Christ Jesus, and that's a rather understated way of saying, nope, you don't have many, you only have one. Because he goes on to say, I have begotten you through the gospel. And nobody else shares that position. So they are his children in the sense that he is the founder of the church. And because they are part of the church and they surely value the church, appreciate the fact that there is a church, because they have been saved, they love the church, right? You who, because they have been saved, they love the church, right? the local church, and they value it, and they are grateful for it, and they praise God for it. And Paul says, and God, in his wisdom and according to his design, used me to plant the church. I'm the father of the church. The reason why there's a church in Corinth is because God sent me there, and God used me to establish it. So, let's act like you appreciate that. Let's have some spiritual recognition that your whole church relates to me like children to a father. You exist because of my ministry. You exist as a church because of my ministry. So spiritual recognition needs to be addressed here. You're not showing proper recognition of who I am by the grace of God. You are not showing proper appreciation for what I have done to bring this church into existence in the city of Corinth, or else you would all still be worshiping in pagan temples, and there would be no Christian church, and there would be no Christian testimony in the city of Corinth. Now, in Paul's case, he could make that claim. In our case, that's not usually the claim that we can make to others. But there is this brother-in-Christ relationship that does lay a claim upon us, right? Right. A number of texts we could turn to there, but let's just consider 1 John 4.21. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. He who loves God, is that you? He who loves God, surely that's everyone who has been born again by the grace of God, truly born again. If you have been born again, you love God. And if you love God, you must love your Christian brother also. Not, it would be good to do so. It would be nice to do so. It would be advisable to do so. No, this is a command. This is a requirement. There are certain relationships that lay claim upon our behavior. And this is one of them. We have a responsibility to act in a warm, loving manner toward other members of the body of Christ, toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. If we, by the grace of God, have been 
changed so that we love God, then we also must love our brother also. And that's part of the change which God makes. But, of course, it's easier to love God, who is perfect, than it is to love some of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are far from perfect and sometimes seem very difficult to us. And, in fact, it's even easier to love God who is distant and invisible, though he is brought near by faith in communing with him through his word and in prayer. But, nevertheless... It's sometimes easier to love someone that we haven't seen than to love someone who's right there and who is irritating us at times, as God never does. He's straightforward with us. He sometimes he sometimes um, provokes us by convicting us by his spirit, calling attention to our sins, demanding that we obey him, demanding that we change. But there isn't any irritating behavior that is a result of, of carnality that hasn't been yet sanctified by the power of God's Spirit. But we have that with our brothers and sisters in Christ, but they still lay a claim upon our love. So Paul had a double claim upon them. He had a claim upon them as the founder and father of their church, They should love and appreciate him for that. He has a claim upon them just as a fellow brother in Christ, and they should respond to that accordingly. And so spiritual recognition is the second step in solving this problem. First, warm reciprocation, and secondly, spiritual recognition. And there's an awful lot there, but time has caught us short. So we will come back once again next week and continue this. Please join me then. Until then, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.